Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several of my friends this morning. We've got the funniest Italian in crypto, aka the king of cannolis and the top crypto researcher on the planet, Mr. Johnny Crypto, is in the building. We have the fastest growing defender in all the crypto space and nearly a five-year moon boy of XRP, Mario, the node defender, is joining us. From podcast to gaming, finance to marketing, an expert in being authentic, we have Jeremy, the financial wizard today. And today we have a very special guest, the man who ignited the Phoenix flame and has a TED Talk on how to maximize your brain. Jordan, the King Harry, is back on the program. Very happy to have you this morning. So today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing, discussing Ripple's battle against the SEC has gone exceedingly well, according to Brad Garlinghouse, and we explain why this battle is for all of crypto and not just XRP. Visa, MasterCard, and Gemini are leading the way for adoption of digital assets as they create a new crypto-backed payment opportunity available to over 92 million consumers. The U.S. Federal Reserve is considering a central-backed digital currency to add security and privacy to the existing monetary system. This is another example of doing as they say, or doing as they do and not as they say. And can Elon Musk decentralize Twitter? The battle for free speech continues as Charles Hodgkins lends a helping hand. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So we have a very special guest today, Jordan Harry. Welcome back to the podcast. From this point forward, you will be referred to as King Jordan. So I hope you're ready for that. We'll just open the floor here and let you say hello. How are you feeling on this Friday morning? I'm feeling fantastic. I try and do this thing where whatever the day is, I try and describe how I feel with the beginning letter because we all get into like that habitual, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine. But it's yeah. nice because it forces you to kind of pause, reset and um, answer it authentically. So yeah, I'm doing fantastic. Happy Easter, everyone. Yes, happy Good Friday to all of our listeners out there. And I'll be sure to ask Jordan Harry some questions on Phoenix because we know we have some listeners out there just waiting for that information. But I want to say good morning to the handsome man, the beautiful man, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Good morning, brother. I'm happy to see you're still alive and breathing, and it's very I'm very happy to have you. How are you feeling on this Friday? Good morning, everybody. How are you today? My name is Johnny Crypto with a K, and I'm wishing you all a good day. As you all know, I've been battling K19, as, as you all like to call it, and uh, doing a lot better today, thank God. So thanks, Abs. It's good to be back on the show and be around all my, my brothers here and in the king himself. King, King, thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, so, no, it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting battle, but uh, everything's good, Abs. And the, Abs, I did hear that uh, our, our audience would love to know what you have for breakfast how you get all that energy in the morning. So please share your secret. I'm fast. So I drink, I'm on air and black coffee. That's it. That's all I do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> let's kick it to, let's kick it to Jeremy next. I hope you like that intro. We weren't as creative as last week with the Harry Potter reference, but I did my best. How are you feeling on this Friday? No, I love the, I loved it. I love gaming. So anything games or anytime games are involved, whether it's tabletop gaming or video gaming, I'm, I'm there. Um, and obviously I do all of the finances for 3T Warrior Academy and 
all of the other businesses that we're involved in. And that's where I spend all of my time. So thank you so much for having me. And I just wanted to say your intros are becoming better and better the more that we do this. That was freaking amazing abs. So Thanks, I'm really, Jeremy. really happy about that. I do not know why if my dog comes up and gets on camera multiple times, I don't know what's going on, but he won't leave me alone this morning. I think it's because I've been spending a lot of more hours in the office. Um, but no, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm so grateful that uh, King Jordan's on um, with his uh, devilishly handsome good looks and his muscles. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully he can teach us how he does that. Um, and so, uh, no, I'm really excited to uh, to do the show today. And guys, we have Jordan Harry, so we are going to talk crypto. But if you need some MMA advice as well, this man is well experienced. But we're going to kick it to the no defender next. Mario, I see you're rocking a gold chain this morning. Did you cash out some of your XRP? Uh, no, I did not. You can tell I haven't cashed out because it's actually a silver chain. So uh, I'm still on the silver game. <laughs> that's awesome. But good bro. morning, it, Go on. Oh, I was going to say, I'm always happy to have you. And you're the guy who comes up with these intros with me. So I want to give credit where credit's due. Appreciate it. But yeah, we do it together. It's a team a team effort. And uh, you are crushing these intros. And they're getting better and better every time. As much as I can help put down the, the words, it's you that puts down the that puts out the energy. So great job, man. I appreciate it. you guys. I want to say thank you to Johnny Crypto as well. Johnny Crypto is always helping me behind the scenes. But we'll hop into this thing the same way that we always do by showing you guys the 3TGM crypto account on Twitter where you get access to our whole team. We love talking to you guys and tweeting at us there. So please go smash that follow button and then tweet at us so we can hear from you. We also have Jordan Harry on the podcast today. So his Twitter is at Jordan Harry with two N's and two Y's. 14.9,000 followers on there. Always posting good and relevant information. So I advise you guys please go smash that follow button and show him some love. We got the crypto fear and greed index showing extreme fear this morning. We are back in extreme fear, guys. We're showing a 22. I'm going to leave the floor open for Johnny Crypto here. What are some of your thoughts on being back in extreme fear? You know, as I tell you guys always, I, I always replace the word fear with buy and greed with sell. And, and in this case, you know, looking at that chart, this is just that area where you continue to accumulate. That's frankly what I'm doing right now. There's a few I like out there. No surprise, I've told a few. Hey, we got Jenna X out there. What's up, kid? Ooh. Welcome, Jenna. Actually, it's <laughs> funny that that she pops up because she's the one that actually turned me on to a WTK. So I've been researching the hell out of that one and putting some of those in my bags. I like that one. So um, I'm I'm accumulating right now. For me, I tell you, I like the fear zone because I don't have to work as hard. When we're in that extreme greed, you've got to be on top of. Your coins, you've got to be watching everything, knowing when to sell exactly, you know, checking your exit strategy all the time. A lot of these exchanges do a piss poor job of capturing your total so you don't even know what your cost basis are. So you're monitoring your stuff. But but keep an eye on that because at the show at the Freedom Conference next week, we've got a solution for you guys. I'll give you a, little, a hint. It's called Merlin, and it's going to help you manage your accounts. So soon I will no longer fear the greed zone. But right now I, I fear the greed and I, and I, and I buy the fear. And it's like you always say, right? This is a possible buying opportunity. And when we get up into this uh, greed range, this is a possible selling opportunity. So nothing's changed on our end. And it was great to hear Showtime reiterate that exact same message on Wednesday when we had him on the program. But we will hop into the total coin market cap. We have 1.87 trillion in global market cap this morning. Bitcoin sitting at 41% dominance. Ethereum is at 20%. Bitcoin is sitting just below 40,500 this morning. Ethereum is back above three gram, which is always good to see. XRP had some price action last night. We did pump a solid five cents, which is about $2.5 billion in liquidity. So that's a lot of money moving into the system. Constantly wondering what's going on there. Cardano is 95 cents. 
Avalanche, $76. Kronos is $0.40. Cents. Cosmos is $24. Stellar is back above $0.20. Cents. We've been teetering above and below that range for quite a while now, so this is very, very normal for us. And we have Hedera Hashgraph below $0.20. Cents. Could be a great time to be accumulating, but I'd love to go to Jordan Harry here. Is there anything you're watching in the market this morning, and how do you feel about the Fear, fear and Greed Index? Do you consider this a time of accumulation? I just went wow whilst uh, I was off camera because um, Adela Hashgraph, that's my second wife. I say second, my first wife's in the other room. Um, and of course, XRP, you know, she, she's up there as well. You know, she's not even wife status. Um, so for me, um, the feed and read index, I love the concept that being that contrarian investor, you know, they say often that rich people see an opportunity that is safe whilst the masses see it as risky. And it truly is, you know, getting in early to projects, getting in when prices low seems risky to the masses, but it's actually the least because you minimize that downside. So, um, yeah, I'll probably be going to buy some HBAR after this. That's not financial advice now that I work with PCC. I can't give any, but I can tell you what I'll be doing. <laughs> exactly. And in another project I've been watching is Quant. I'd like to go to Jeremy because Quant has so many banking connections. It's going to be the thing that connects the old banking system to the new banking system. But is there anything you're watching in the market this week? And how are you feeling overall? So I'm not sure if I'm the best person to ask for that because my strategy has always been if it's something that you're, you believe in, then you continue to accumulate that because it's something that you know is going to be a big player in the future, whether that's with regular stocks or whether it's with cryptocurrencies. So like I always, I continuously buy DOT and XLM every week. Like it's just on a re repetitive buy order. I'm always stacking up DOT and XLM, um, but the price of H bar makes me want to go get some more H bar. Um, so yeah. I do agree with that part. So there are things that I consistently look at, but on a consistent basis, um, I'm always purchasing XLM and DOT and probably Ethereum. Um, as far as Quaint goes, since you did bring that up, Johnny always talks about Quaint nonstop. Um, and based off of what Johnny explains to me, I would probably load up on that as well if the price is, is good right now, because I believe that that's going to be a big player um, in the future as well, because those are the things that I focus on is how they are going to help us decentralize um, the system. Because if you've let me rant in the past about it. That's the biggest thing that I am after with the blockchain is the decentralization of the system and giving power back to the people to monitor and control the liquidity in exchanges um, and the ability to make transactions faster across the blockchain. So, Hey, Jeremy, Jeremy I got some good news for you. So when we had Jen on last week, she was telling us about uh, one of her friends that works in a government agency. I'm not going to say which one. I don't want to get her in trouble. But she was saying that. Well, she's also listening to you right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was telling us that not only is XRP uh, the chosen one, but XR, XL, XLM is the bigger chosen one. So you'll be happy. That's happy to hear you say that you're uh, accumulating that. Uh, all the time. Eight. That's my favorite. That's my favorite still. But again, there's also lots of other things. And like I said, if it makes sense for where they're going in the future, there are lots of opportunities out there. So whether it's greed or fear, I continually to keep buying the things that I know that are going to be the main infrastructure as we continue into this space. And Quant and another part of the big infrastructure. Yeah, and we saw another development from XLM yesterday where they partnered with MoneyGram. So I thought that was really interesting, Jeremy. I actually mentioned you on the program. I'd love to go to Jordan Harry. I know he's got some comments, so then we'll hop into what we got for today. I was just saying, we knew that. Come on, no one was surprised. But yep. I'm just glad they admitted it. 
<laughs> exactly. But it's so cool to see this stuff happening now because it's like JV always talks about the infrastructure is being laid. And Johnny says this, it's like they're putting the net down before they push us off the cliff, right? They're giving us a system to fall into and retail is going to be caught in that XLM XRP group. But I've got some really interesting stuff for today. So we're going to hop into an image here from 2018, where we have the total coin market cap for XRP being 245 billion, leading all cryptocurrencies above Bitcoin, above Ethereum. And look back here, Stellar is number five. But what I thought was so interesting is that when XRP experienced this price action back in 2018, they were not listed on major exchanges such as Coinbase or Binance and all these other platforms back during this time. So what are you guys' thoughts? I'm going to leave the floor open here. Maybe we'll go to Johnny first. On XRP getting to a $250 billion market cap without being listed on any major exchanges and what that could mean going forward once we get a resolution from the SEC. Well, I think that's the key right there is we need that resolution from the SEC. We know that until that comes, XRP is being held back, right, at the end of the day. So once we get that resolution, you know, there's a bunch of catalysts that are going to come along with it. We're going to get relisting. We're going to get then, you know, uh, funds, you know, institutions buying back into it. And, you know, seeing it run up somewhere into the nine, eight, nine, ten, $12 range, I think is probably potentially, you know, very, very possible. And, you know, then, so obviously, you know, that's another 10 X from here. So yeah, that will put it at a market cap above everything else. I think it's possible. No doubt about it. And it's like, we always say XRP pumps last and it pumps hardest. I'd like to go to the node defender here. What are your thoughts on what happened in 2018? Being the only person in this group, maybe besides Jordan Harry, to actually be holding XRP <coughs> back during that time frame. And Jordan just said, no, he doesn't. He didn't hold it back then. So Mario is the only one. What are some of your thoughts? And I, when I saw that, when I saw that chart, it gave me, it gave me the chills because I, I remember I have screenshots of my portfolio when that happened to XRP. And as you can see from the, from, from the image back then it was called ripple. And, and you're right. It wasn't listed on a lot of the major exchanges, um, but it was listed on Kraken. I remember making uh, a purchase of XRP on Kraken, um, but it was, it was insane when it took over Bitcoin. It essentially did that without it really having this massive exposure that it potentially can have now. So I really think that the catalyst is going to be that SEC case with Ripple. Um, that's going to give clarity to, to the token XRP. So it's going to get relisted. People are going to come FOMOing in. As we see from some of the things that we're going to discuss in 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 the next uh, in the next segment here, I don't want to talk about it, but things are going well in, on that front. Yes, and I'd love to hear from our listeners. What are some of your price targets for Ripple XRP? We have a price chart that I found to be fairly interesting here, where we've created these massive three or four year triangles. And I'm no chart analyst; I'm more of a a, a utility investor, understanding what the currency does and understanding that that value is going to flood in at some point. But this is how we get such high price targets. We get these massive bullish movements and then long-term consolidation. Jordan Harry, I'd like to get some comments from you. You are a holder of XRP, correct? And how long have you been bullish on this cryptocurrency? Um, it was my gold standard. And I, I say my gold standard because it was um, the first project I ever looked into. Spent a weekend reading all the geeky papers. Um, and then everything else had to follow that standard, right? And that was my checklist. Um, I love technical analysis. I also realize um, utility can blow it out of the water. You know, that's the one thing it doesn't take in consideration is what's the business Ripple doing to bring utility behind XRP that the chart can't see. So from um, a utility excluded perspective, then TA, of course, in the short term, that's where we see these modest $10 
price targets. Um, and of course, that's relative. And where we potentially will see that three, four figure um, dollar, pound, euro, XRP will, in my opinion, come from enterprise and utility adoption. The same with HBAR, the same with XLM, is we'll get the small gains on the way up from um, retail investors, especially with chart analysis, because, and I'd love to open this up to the panel. Um, in my understanding, uh, technical analysis is based on what's happened in the past. And that's what excites me, because you can't see the right-hand side, and there's no guarantee that history will repeat. And that keeps me optimistic. Um, anyone want to jump in and kind of maybe argue or actually agree with what I'm saying? I'm going to go to the node defender, Johnny, because I do have comments, but I want to leave the floor open. Yeah, please. Or Jeremy, sorry. Yeah, I'll let Johnny go first since I just kind of gave my my thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I think I think Jordan. At the end of the day, you're right. There is no, there is no, you know, in terms of when you're projecting what's the value of something, it makes it tricky, especially with cryptocurrency, which is even more trickier because typically the way we we value things in the stock market space is through market caps. And we look at what something produces and what's the return on investment and its price to earnings and all that. Cryptocurrency is a bit unique and different, right? Because first of all, you've got this, you've got the, it's a technology in this in sense, XRP, right? That's going to act as in this particular case, a cross-border um, payment system, right? And so what is the value of that? What's the worth of that? Well, it's very interesting because it depends on how much has to be taken and held and, you know, off, off the exchanges and being sitting in a certain space. Right. And then, so when people talk about what's the value of, and I see people throwing numbers out there, or why are we estimating? Why is it so low? Why is it, you know, the reality is no one knows what it's going to be. Um, and it's in, and how we value its utility is going to be interesting. First of all, ripple created the technology. XRP is the currency right, to enable it to work, for example, but they are two different entities, right? They're two different things. They're not the same. So now what is Ripple, the company going to be worth? Well, that's going to be one thing, right? And you can buy them through Link2 um, or the XRP, the actual functional cryptocurrency itself and the value of that one. Well, again, I've heard things, you know, obviously we've all heard 589. We've heard 1,000. We heard 10,000. You know, people have come up with those estimates because they're assuming that if XRP needs to act as this uh, liquidity solution, well, then the value of it needs to be a certain price so that there's enough of it to be able to handle the cross-border on-demand liquidity, right? So yeah. if it does truly end up becoming the rails, uh, what I've actually heard, believe it or not, is it'll actually be even a higher price if it actually starts to fill the, um, the derivatives market because the derivatives market is even bigger than cross-border payments, believe it or not. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, so I think in terms of price predictions, we're, we're all going to guess here and have no clue what it's really going to be. Just 10 to 12 seems realistic because of the past Fibonacci's looking at the history. And it's probably just a reasonable, I like to be realistic, but I know there are people out there that want higher numbers. And, you know, I've heard as high as realistically, maybe 54, but I'm not going to be banking on anything that high, Jordan. But I think it'll be really interesting. It's going to come down to, will it fill a real world solver need? And if it does then the upside on XRP can be huge, tremendously huge. And we see that Ripple is planting the XRP seeds throughout the world, right? They're pretty much everywhere except in the U.S. because of this case. That's actually a good thing. So time will tell, but I think in the short term, 10 to 12 is probably realistic, and then much higher beyond that if those, if those, um, 
if it becomes a real-world utility play. Johnny, I would love to add to what you said there. So as we were doing research during the Russia-Ukraine crisis, we figured out that Russia does $50 billion of cross-border payments per day, and they're 11th largest country in the world for cross-border payments. So there's $5.3 trillion being transferred cross-border on a daily basis. So if Ripple can even capture 10% of that market cap, it's unlimited, and you get these massive price predictions. Now, as for the $10 to $13 range, we see the 4.236 Fibonacci extension takes us above $12. So that's why you see a lot of people on Twitter promoting that price. But I do think that's a realistic price target. And I do think for us to match Ethereum's total market cap right now, which is about $360 billion, that would take us to about an $8 XRP. I think that's very likely. I don't think that's that's getting too outlandish here. Without any utility being implemented, we could see those levels. But we have 165 listeners out there. So please show us some love. And smash that like button before we hop into our articles today. And if you're enjoying this conversation and want to hear more from this group in particular, the best place to do so is at the 3T Warrior Academy where you get access to all of us. And you can see us deep dive on a lot of this information, even more so than we do here. Jeremy, did you have any comments? I see you're laughing. I'm laughing at Johnny going like this to the camera. <laughs> Are you smashing the like button or what's happening? You got to break that thing. That thing's you gotta break. Come on, guys. Break that smash. Smash that thing. You know, that like, did it the one time when he said it. And then he went back to it. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I was we are unfiltered here. Johnny Crypto gets to do whatever he likes. It's very funny to see Johnny. We have some clips that I'm going to post on our Twitter later today of some of very Johnny? funny clips from the past week of Johnny Crypto that I have oh saved in my phone. So get ready for that, people. Oh and thank boy. you to all of our loyal listeners. Oh, but guys, we're not done with our XRP conversation yet. Crypto firm Ripple's court battle with the SEC has gone exceedingly well, says CEO Brad Garlinghouse. But what I found so interesting about this article is that while the growth, while the SEC lawsuit has hindered the growth within the United States, Ripple has continued to add central banks and clients outside of our borders. But this battle with the SEC is much deeper than just the Ripple case and the United States alone. We're battling for all of crypto here. If they label XRP as a security, that means that every single crypto on exchanges that is labeled a security would have to know all of its investors and all of its shareholders under the Securities and Exchange Commission's guidelines. And that's just not possible in the environment that we have today. I'd love to start with our guest, Jordan Harry. What are some of your thoughts on the XRP lawsuit as a whole and some of these unrealistic demands that the SEC has for Ripple? Yeah. What I like about it, especially now working at Phoenix Community Capital, is they're forced to dive deeper into doing the real work. You know, of course, they've got one part of the team that focusing on the court case, um, but it adds fuel, I'm sure, underneath Garlinghouse's bum. And to prove a point more than anything, um, and it's brought the community together reluctantly in the sense of it was a shame it took this to really bring us closer than before. Um, but that's what I love the most about this is kill them with kindness. And instead of kindness, they're killing them with progress. So I keep going, everyone at Ripple, if anyone from Ripple is watching or hears of this, um, use the success to silence them, to keep going. And you know what's great, Jordan, is that David Schwartz and Brad Garlinghouse both watch this program, so they are listening right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course. But I'd like to go to Jeremy one next. Day. You have uh, – <laughs> what would you say? Sorry. One day. One, one day. day. That day. That day might be sooner than you expect, but I'd love to go to Jeremy next because he's got over 15 years of banking experience. So – how do you feel about what's going on in the SEC lawsuit right now? And how does that apply to what you already know about banking? I think it's just stupid. That's just my own. I mean, not to be like, I've always thought that it was ridiculous because there are so many things out there that they could be doing 
So, okay, so first of all, the XRP and XLM or Ripple Installer, or how, whatever you want to refer to them as, they, they solve the biggest problem in banking. And so the fact that this is even happening does makes me feel that this has nothing to do with whether it's a security or not. Because it takes, and this is from experience, it really takes about seven days to use a SWIFT system to send something internationally. There's a loaning of money that takes place from the bank to the other institution, usually, while that money's waiting to actually be transferred. So sometimes when people do money internationally, they will transfer it, and there is a seven-day holding period, right? I was reading on Twitter last night um, from, I think it was CNBC or MSNBC, a tweet, but they sent money over to Ukraine over the blockchain. It took three minutes, right? And so we yeah. can even do that faster, in my opinion, with X, um, <clears throat> with XRP and XLM. Like th yeah. these transactions are just moving across who actually owns them on the ledger, right? And yeah. so it, it solves the biggest problem. So in my mind, this is to prevent that, that um, infrastructure from getting out there or trying to get control of that infrastructure. And so I don't really believe that X, XRP is, is a security. There are all other kinds of things. Um, so not to get it confused with um, Phoenix Community Capital, but we have Phoenix Crypto Assets. <laughs> and Phoenix Crypto Assets, with the way that ours is structured is we are registered with the securities, with the SEC essentially, utilizing their Form D process for accredited investors. And so a lot of the times when they're trying to decide on whether something's a security or not, it's based off of the people being able to to have passive income from their money going in, right? So they're putting money into something. They don't have control of what goes on with that money, like when you buy a stock, but then you are going to get future profits from that specific stock producing dividends or whatever the case is. There is yeah. nothing in XRP that specifically does that. What they did was they utilized pushing their coin out into the marketplace to get money or to get money to fuel their you know, their program or to fuel what they needed to do with the software development and all of that. There is nothing wrong with that. And so this whole thing is just ridiculous. It's a way to stop, in my opinion, it's a, it's really a way to hold off on that infrastructure coming out because it solves one of the biggest problems that we've had in banking. And Jeremy, another thing I want to add to what you said is the cost of transactions also goes down massively. I'm pretty sure they take three to 11%, up to 11% of your transactions cross border. And with this new system, they'll take like a fraction of a penny yep. for every you know million dollars you send. So I'd love to go to Mario next. What well, are some of your quick, thoughts Real on quick, Abs, and I also want to add this and why I'm also a big believer in XLM. As more countries open up to the possibility of immigrants being able to come into their country, no matter what your political views are, right? Because in here in Arizona, we have a lot of um, his, you know, people coming over from south of the border from Mexico or Central America. A lot of the times when those co people come over here, right, and they're, you know, working and they're sending money back home, that is a pain in the ass, excuse my language, to get that money from here back to their, their families in Central America and in Central America and Mexico, right? And so, so XLM solves that problem, Right. And that's something that I don't think people want because it makes it easier for people to move that money across the border. And that goes with any place that there's, you know, a large amount of immigrants that are going to. And I think that that also plays a significant factor into it. But that's something that I'm excited about because I want people to be able to go everywhere, work, provide for their families, wherever their families are at. And if that if that makes it easier for that money to get to them, I'm cool with that. And I want that. And that's why I'm a big believer in XLM. So. And see, Jordan, here, I just want to point out Brad Garlinghouse just commented below. He is watching our show right now. So I'm telling you guys, we're spot on bringing you relevant and impactful information every day. But I'd like to go to I Mario. I hate our community sometimes, honestly. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it, man. It's so funny. But I'd like to go to Mario because Mario, you've actually transferred money cross border before and you've experienced some of these crazy high rates, correct? Yes, crazy high rates and you know, long wait times. It takes a few days to get there. Um, I've been trying to convince some of my family members, you know, the ones that are more comfortable using technology um, to get into cryptocurrency. It makes it so much easier. There's very easy ways to send crypto and then they can cash out. It, it It's just so much better. I mean, Jeremy covered it like better than any, you know, than I ever could, obviously, because of his experience. But I did want to say something. Phoenix Community Capital and Phoenix Crypto Assets are going to be in Phoenix next week. Check that out. And I think, Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, tickets are still on sale, right? Tickets still are on sale. I will go grab the sales page and throw it in the in the chat here real quick. But yes, awesome. that, and there's also, you can also stream it virtually. And if you didn't know, but King Jordan is actually emceeing the entire event. And yes, hopefully he you is. knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, check that out. It's, it's, I, Honestly, it's amazing. Phoenix community, PCC and PCA are going to be in Phoenix. You got to come and check us out. Oh, we're going to talk, Jeremy. We're going to talk, don't worry. Ooh. <laughs> awesome. So, Mario, I'm not sure. Did you have any comments on the Ripple SEC stuff? I may have missed it. Uh, no, I think, I mean, as far as the, you know, you Jeremy gave a really good perspective as far as what it means for the, for the banking. Um, and I, I kind of touched upon it before the way that I see it playing out is Ripple is move, making really good progress. And in, in this case, even Brad Garlinghouse thinks so. Um, I think it's inevitable. I've already said multiple times that the way I see it playing out, it's either it comes to some kind of settlement or Ripple wins. I don't think the SEC is going to get a win on this one. And what was exciting is Brad Garlinghouse did say they are approaching an end. So for him to come out and say that, of course, they didn't put a timeline on it. But he did say that they're getting close to a resolution. I'd like to start our next article with comments from Mr. Johnny Crypto himself because we have the lowest supply on of Bitcoin on exchanges in quite a while. Not only for this year, but since 2018, it is the lowest amount of Bitcoin on exchanges, which is very bullish for the market. And as we roll into our first Bitcoin article for today, we have MicroStrategy shareholders letter says, the company will continue to vig- continue to vigorously pursue more Bitcoin buys MicroStrategy will not be taking a break from buying and holding Bitcoin anytime soon, says CEO Michael Saylor. And they're going to continue buying this asset. They currently have just below 130,000 Bitcoin in their wallet, worth 5.1 billion. They paid 3.9 billion for that 130,000 Bitcoin. And they think this strategy is going to prove to be tremendous long term. But there was something very interesting I wanted to point out, which was that Michael Saylor owns 68.1% of MicroStrategies. And we brought to you guys yesterday that BlackRock actually owns 7% of MicroStrategies, which means they have Bitcoin exposure. So we're going to go to Johnny Crypto and then Jordan Harry here. Johnny, what are some of your thoughts on, on Moonboy, Michael Saylor, talking about how he's buying Bitcoin? Well, you all know I love Moonboy, you, but I also love engaging with the audience. Uh, before I answer the question, I do want to answer this one. I think it's important. Uh, what is Phoenix Crypto Assets since we mentioned it? It's a company we've worked with or put together here with some members at the 3T Academy and we'll be talking more about that at the Freedom Conference next week. It is a way to invest in the crypto space uh, for those who want to get exposure to uh, different assets within this space, metaverse, NFTs, nodes, things like that. We do the legwork so you don't have to create passive income. So we'll be talking more about that at the Freedom Conference. So please come on down and we'll be happy to share that with you guys. And real quick, it's really just Mario that does the legwork. <laughs> 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 he definitely does. That's not true. That's, that's not true. 
that's for sure. No, he does a good amount of it, but uh, but there's a full team. But we'll get we'll talk more about that at the Freedom Conference. So that's just a little tidbit. But getting back to my boy Michael Saylor, you know, I I told you I've I've grown to have a strong appreciation for him. Abs, he's certainly a a Bitcoin uh, maximalist, I think, at this point. But when you listen to the way he talks about money and how it's actually energy, and he breaks down all the different approaches we have in the world to be able to accumulate wealth and then take that wealth and displace it somewhere, every single place to put your money is inflationary and basically means you lose value. No matter where you put it, doesn't matter. Pick something, cash, real estate, stocks, anything you pick. He literally broke down why gold, even gold is inflationary because we produce 2% more of it every year. So the reality is if you're trying to put your plate, your money in a place where you want to pass that wealth to your children without it going down in value up until Bitcoin was developed, there was none. Now you had to know what you were doing. And if you placed it in the right place and you made the right bets, you could stay ahead of the market, but your money was always being devalued because we know these crooked governments, we know what's happening here. Fiat is fake. It's not real money. And so it's very easy to manipulate it and destroy the value. And, and every single currency has been destroyed and the U.S. dollar will be destroyed. And then the one when it becomes the next world reserve, that will get destroyed. But Bitcoin is the real the real engineer solve money where where you don't lose that value. Right. It is a finite thing and it's almost unhackable. So I'm not surprised to see that he's continuing to pack his bags. I think he's always going to continue. There's obviously something here that the elites have latched onto where they believe this is the new digital gold. And I think that, you know what, I don't know if it's going to ever get to 10 million, like he said, but is it going to be higher than 50,000 or 40,000 five years from now? I would be willing to bet my house on it. Absolutely. And I'm going to, this freaking guy, 510, this dude kills me with this boom stuff. It's a Gen X, Gen X. But anyway. Johnny yeah, Boom, so, baby. It's Johnny Boom. So nope, I think Johnny Boom moving forward. We're not going to allow that to change. <laughs> So never change that 510. Oh, my God. This is crazy. But anyway, yeah. So Sailor, I think, is on the right path. And to be honest with you, Abs, well, as I start accumulating or as I start taking you know funds out of the crypto market, as things start to move, I will be moving some into, into BTC. And I want to add to what you said there, Johnny, before we kick it to Jordan Harry, which is that all of these institutions are buying Bitcoin in such large numbers. We have Tesla with over 43,000, Terra Luna with over 43,000, and Michael Saylor has 130,000. That's over 1% of the total circulating supply right now is in the hands of those three institutions, which said they're planning on hodling for the long term. So I found that to be very interesting. And there's one more thing I wanted to add. We brought up an article yesterday from David Rubenstein who manages a $300 billion fund. And he said that the youngsters, and he used the quote, the youngsters are starting to realize that the US dollar has no underlying value. It's not back to gold and you really can't exchange your dollars for gold anymore. That is a huge argument for the value of crypto because people used to say there's no underlying value in Bitcoin. There's no underlying value in the US dollar. So I'd like to kick it to Jordan Harry here and get some of his thoughts. When it comes to what is it backed by, it's always a fascinating topic because um, I can't remember who said this, so I can't take credit. They said that the US dollar, the British pound, the euro is the greatest meme coin out there. Because when you actually break down what is a meme, it's something that's widely accepted. And amongst that widely accepted community, we all give it a value. So the only reason um, a dollar is a dollar and it allows us to buy X amount of things is because enough of us in society 
hold it at value until we're told, sorry, we don't accept cash. So now that paper is no longer accepted by white society. And then, of course, that value depreciates. Why? Because, of course, it's then met with inflation, which reduces your buying power. And so our perception of what a dollar can get us now, um, objectively, because you literally can't buy as much fuel, and also subjectively, how we feel about the dollar starts to reduce. And then those two together means that as society, we then look elsewhere. And we've done that over time. Now, don't get me wrong, it's taken us about 50 years um, as we move from one form of money, because there's always that debate, you know, money versus currency. And so for myself, I fully acknowledge, you know, things like, well, why is XRP going down? It's because people are selling at the moment. You know, people, for whatever reason, are selling their XRP and therefore the price is going down, meaning that a wider society deem this not to be the value it currently is. And that's why right now it's 80 cents is because on the order book, the last order would have been 80 cents. Now, could an order be $100? Yeah, if there was an equal buy and sell, but then we need consistency in that order book to hold that level. So when we talk about the dollar being a meme, or we talk about Shiba Inu being a meme, up for debate, um, we have to accept what is the underlying um, value supporting that. Um, and that's where the argument of what's the utility comes into play. So um, even though I don't really answer the question, I hope I gave everyone an interesting perspective. Yeah, that was beautiful, Jordan. And I think it's so interesting that these guys are doing this all right now. We've seen in the last three months so many billionaires and institutions backing this stuff internationally. It's not just the United States. I'm sure you see it in Europe. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we're getting the highest levels of reported inflation while they're reporting this stuff. I'd like to go to Jeremy and get some comments here. Feel free to take this wherever you like, but how do you feel that Bitcoin fits into the future of finance? And I know that some of our listeners are having difficulty with the sound. Please exit the stream and come back in if you're not hearing this audio, but we'll kick it to Jeremy. So I buy gold because I like gold, <laughs> but let's, let's really think about gold, right? So if I had a gold block, and our society, for some reason, went into a place where I had to change, exchange that gold, right? I'm not going to give my gold block for like 12 chickens. I would have to give my gold block for like a thousand chickens, depending on the price of the chicken market, right? And so unless I have the tools and the ability to shave off little pieces of my gold or to cut it, or if I had it all in the perfect right amount of gold coin, then I could barter with it. So I've always been an ad advocate that if or been adamant on the fact that if the, the economy collapsed, you would have that initial thing where people are buying and moving stuff with silver and gold. But you will eventually get to a point where you won't be able to use all of your gold. So you will have to find something to trade with that person to get the other thing that you need. Like if I had sheep and you needed sheep and you had chickens and I needed chickens, we would be able to trade with that and go back to that kind of bartering and trading system. Now, if something like that happened, right, and we were in a place where we still had, you know, some kind of infrastructure, like, say, the blockchain infrastructure and, and why Bitcoin is so important is because with Bitcoin, I can literally shave off the exact amount of Bitcoin that I need to get what I'm wanting in the amount of chickens or in the amount of sheep or in the amount of anything. And so that's why cryptocurrency in general makes much more sense to utilize as a currency than, in my opinion, anything else. And that's why I'm obviously an advocate for it, because we can move it much faster. We can shave it off just to the amount that we need to trade. Now, the reason why Bitcoin, you should be putting your money into, into probably Bitcoin or into some kind of stable thing is for that exact reason. Bitcoin right now 
and, and maybe not this exact moment, but can for the most part keep up with inflation the way that gold can. And it also provides us a lot more utility, in my opinion, than gold can because the ability for us to get to any portion of it that we need to move that across. So we don't need to have like cents and we don't need to have all of like the pennies and the dimes and the nickels and we don't need to have tools to, to shave it off. We just need that infrastructure built and we can now move that money in any fashion that we need. So I think, I don't know if Bitcoin's going to get to like a million dollars, but I, I have to agree with Johnny that it'll probably get over the 54,000 or wherever it's sitting at at this exact moment, right? Because we're in a place where people don't know what's really going on. We have like people that are scared of NFTs. They're scared of <laughs> cryptocurrency. Like Johnny knows the exact number because we do research on it for Merlin and for Phoenix crypto assets. But like how many people are involved in cryptocurrency? Like 2% of the population or 5% or 5% of the population. That's nothing. So there's so much, there's so much that people don't understand about the infrastructure and about the cryptocurrency and the benefit. And I think that Bitcoin, because it, you know, we found a company called DCI development that takes cryptocurrencies to purchase like land and things like that. Um, Jackie found them at the world crypto con or whatever she went to a couple weeks ago in Miami. And so, they only take the big three for the most part, but you can use Litecoin, you can use Ethereum, and you can use Bitcoin. So those are like our platinum, gold, and silver, or however you want to do it for right now. And they probably will be into the future because of things like MicroStrategy and Michael Saylor buying up all of that Bitcoin. So he's showing that there's a need to have it. And if you're looking at that, then it makes sense for you and, you know, kind of if you're just kind of going through it in your head, I'm going to go out and buy a bunch of Bitcoin because why are all these big people going out and buying Bitcoin? You follow what the wealthy people do, right? Not what they say, but what they do. And if they're out there buying Bitcoin, then you might as well buy Bitcoin for right now because there is something that is going to be of value with it in the future that they're betting on. A hundred percent. You made so many good points, Jeremy. I'm just going to kind of leave it there. I'm not sure if Johnny Crypto had some comments, but if not, I'd love to hop into some Phoenix talk. Johnny, do you have any uh, comments there? No, let's, I know people are here for the King. So let's, uh, let's hop into the Phoenix. Talk. Let's, let's hop into the King conversation where we have the Phoenix Knights. That's what we like to call our community. Some of you may have noticed that our treasury went from $2 million in AVAX to around 1.5 million. So we do have some comments here. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to disclose this information, but I think we're good, Jordan. I'm looking at you right now. Just a I little late. You know what, guys? It's on the screen, so I may as well read it. We've invested $550,000 into a project. This news is very exciting to us and should be to you as well. We will be receiving 25% of the profits from this company. And after 12 months, they reserve the right to buy back 10% of 10% from us at the cost of the initial $550,000 deposit. This means that in 12 months, they will be able to keep 15% of their profit while having a full return on their investment. I'd love to give you the floor here, Jordan. One of the most important things we look for when we're looking into these projects is the leadership team. And identifying the leadership team in this group was one of the main reasons I got involved. But it's great to see some more positive action from an investing standpoint and to get some insight into what you guys are doing. So I'd love to hear more about what's going on behind the scenes and maybe how your growth of the community itself has developed over these last few months. Thank you so much, Habs, for the floor. And for everyone that came through um, from PCC, I see Crypto Shan, you're here. Thank you for the support. My job as the head of marketing is to communicate all the fantastic work we're doing with the community. Right. The hardest part of my job is not being able to say those things. And with blockchain, we had this funny joke in the team meeting today that if you want to hide something, put it in the bank. <laughs> if you want to hide your money, put it in the bank because none of you would be able to see what we're doing. Um, for the past three months, and that feels like three years in crypto, we've been shaking hands, 
um, signing deals, um, and some exciting stuff is on the horizon. The reason why I can't say it yet is because the last thing we want to do is flip-flop. Because as some of you may or may not know, you have a fantastic conversation over dinner. It feels like a sealed deal. Um, they're sending over the paperwork. You sign it. And then the next week, nope. Wah, wah, wah. Secondly, the SEC. So we've been legally advised that we can't give projections of revenue, sadly. So although we are operating as an asset management company, and we're incorporated as such, because we are in that interesting gray zone with crypto, is we can't actually give you projected revenue numbers. So what we can do, and what I was on the phone call before we jumped on this call, was that in initial investment we made of half a million is this weekend, I'm gonna try and get it out this weekend, we'll be announcing who the company is, we're building an investment dashboard for phase two. And I do apologize if anyone's not familiar with PCC, but for phase two that we're transitioning to when we hit 100,000 nests, we move to a revenue stream backed model. What that means is because we cap the nests at 100,000 nests, the math is quite simple. And I'll let you all play with this and I'll finish here because I know the questions will pour in, is we know how many rewards we have to pay out every month. By capping at 100,000 nests, we know how many rewards have to be paid out every month. So you take arbitrary number, let's just say it's 100,000 tokens, okay? Arbitrary number. Then you divide that by our return on investment. So of course, how much money do we make? And of course, divide that proportionally with all the rewards that are being paid out to 100,000 nests, and that will give you the value of the token. So that's where we're moving to. Um, the investment dashboard that we're building will show you the breakdown of the numbers of these companies that we're investing in are doing. So you get real lifetime data that, hey, they made a million today. And you'll see how much of that million, 25%, is now being distributed to us. And so you can start to plan and prepare for that selling phase, which again, it's so hard not to give too much away um, because of course, limited time. But we are going to do a presentation documenting how the bonding mechanism is going to work, how you will sell your token back to us at a stable price. Right? It will not be impacted by market conditions because the final thing any of us want is to have a sustainable passive income, but we don't know what the price will be month to month to month. So the thing that we can do to mitigate against that is to ensure that our model and our token economics is now a reflection token based on the performance of our investments. I hope that answered that simple enough, Abs. That was beautiful, Jordan. I'm going to give it to Johnny Crypto here. So thank you, Jordan, for explaining that to our listeners. I think everybody's trying to kind of wrap their head around how this is going to work because you guys are actually breaking the mold in terms of how we go about doing this from a, you know, in terms of how the normal node operation is where you just buy a node, and, you know, if people stop buying, there's no more money coming in, right? You, you kind of have changed the game here, which is yeah. why I personally like it. And by the way, for those speaking of the word like, can you please smash that like button? I don't want to keep smashing it too much because then Jeremy's wondering why I keep doing this. But, yeah, I mean, you smash that like button, folks, so we can uh, – other people can catch this show. But, Jordan, I, I wanted to ask you a question. So you yes. talked about investing in companies, and, and then that – from what I understand, that's going to become – going to replace the node buying uh, income, if you will, right? That's going to be the new revenue stream that's going to then 
fund the rewards going in the future. Uh, are you able to share with us how many companies so far? Is this the very first company you have invested in, or are there five other ones? You have ten on the top. What's the the, the long term roadmap? Are you guys looking to get twenty companies under your belt uh, long term? Can you share a little bit with us on, on what the long term plans are there? So there's six that have been announced with everyone, and each of those agreements are different, right? Some of those have been built in-house, for example, our NFT marketplace, right? There was no money down for that NFT marketplace, but we invested in the team, and now the team's building the NFT marketplace on Avalanche Spectrum NFT, for example. We've got another deal where it was out of the founders' pockets, and that was a handshake, and that helped build and fund an element of Twopsicle, which is our DEX, where we get 15% of every transaction fee. And then we've got a more formal investment agreement, which has come out of the treasury of that half a million to the company, which I can't wait to announce this weekend. <coughs> and that one, of course, is the traditional um, incubated investment that we've made. So every deal we have done to date, knowing and unknowingly, is unique. Um, and to put it in perspective, Johnny, so people know of now a seventh investment that we've made. Nice. We've got double figures in the pipeline where um, we've, probably in the first couple of weeks of May, if I was to give a timeline, first couple of weeks of May, cool. we'll be announcing some things that will make you um, very confident and happy that you're a nest holder, to put it. Nice. So we're talking nay. That's good. Have any of these already started generating revenue that you're passing on to consumer, uh, your, your, your nest, our nest, nest owners? Or are you guys just kind of waiting for the money to come in? So at this moment, um, we don't shy away from this. Um, we are cost neutral right now. Okay. Right? The whole element why we weren't going to close the doors yet was because by the time we close the doors, we need to be cash flow positive. Yes. Right. Because exactly. the last thing we want to do is close the doors. And everyone's sitting around twiddling on their thumbs. Like, right. Um, so when the money coming in. So by the time we close the doors and we've got a fascinating data technician in our Discord who has predicted that the 6th of May is when we'll hit the nest cap. Now, human behavior is interesting, right? Because I've now told you that, you know, oh, 6th of May. And now he could go really mess up his numbers. <laughs> but he has FOMO. FOMO, exactly. That's the word I'm looking for. So... We have predicted by the 6th of May that we aim for at least two of our investments, Swapsicle and Spectrum, to be cash flow positive. Nice. And to put it um, bluntly to everyone who's invested, we want you to manage your expectations. From the beginning, the investments, the profits will be relatively small, right? Whatever that is, relatively small. But lower your expectations yep. and you won't be necessarily disappointed. And what you have to understand is month on month on month, this cash cow will keep growing, keep building. But what we are vulnerable to is what happens if the business goes out, right? What happens if that investment we made and that business collapse, right? So right. I don't want to fool everyone and say, look, we're completely separated from the speculative market because then you come back to the vulnerability of the business world where right. a CEO might wake up and say, you know what? I want to retire. I don't want to do this no more. So... There is still risk, everyone, and I don't want to make you blind to that. Yeah, so basically you're investing in a basket of different companies. Obviously, those are going to be dependent on the economy, but you're placing multiple bets. If one were to go down, there would be other. One last question for you. So right now, people are used to getting 
you know, approximately a reward that's somewhere sitting, I think, fires around $170 or something like that per coin, right? Or somewhere in that ballpark range right now. Are you envisioning that as as this first comes out and let's say May 6th, whatever the date is there, in, you know, don't FOMO in, but FOMO in. But anyway, <laughs> as people FOMO in and buy these and you cap out, right? And you're at 100 grand and now we stop, you close out the nest. Is there going to be some uh, period of time where there's no income coming in at first for those folks who have a nest and then over time it'll start? Or did you say there's enough income already that people will see little dribbles even when the when the um, when the fire nests are closed, capped? Brilliant question. And um, I just have to be slightly reserved um, because it hasn't been fully communicated yet to everyone. So I'd hate, of course, to share something here today. Yeah. It hasn't been signed off by a director of communications. You see how formal and structured it's becoming? <laughs> just how do whatever you can, brother. Just I, I see someone said I'm like a politician. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a cool politician out there. Um, so, Johnny, to answer your question, um, 0.225 will still be the reward payout. Okay. Right? As we've mentioned, the token economics is changing to a revenue-backed model as opposed to a speculative. People are buying fire, so the price of fire goes up. People are selling fire. So the price goes down. Yeah. Um, you will be able to sell this token to us through our bonding mechanism. Okay. okay. So if anyone's familiar with Olympus DAO, Hector DAO, I don't know what's going on with them at the moment, um, but they had a bonding mechanism where you could sell the native token back to the protocol, right? And then we would buy your token off you at a certain price, right? So that's how that would work, Johnny, is from day one the transition to the new tokenomics is the payout will still be the same, the token name will change because now the price of that is no longer dependent on the market. It's gonna be based on the profits being brought in from my investments. That's beautiful. And I see that Coach JV is here. So shout out to Coach JV, sending love and high vibrations. Can't wait to be there next week. We're gonna get an early morning workout and I'm sure of it. And I wanna say thank you to Jordan Harry for informing our listeners on everything that's going on with that project. I'm a, I'm a nest holder. I'm very, I'm looking forward to what you guys are doing. And I really believe in the leadership team there. And that's where my belief comes from. As much as I want to look into what's going on behind the scenes, I trust the man leading this company, the men leading this company. And I look forward to the, the developments that continue to come to the forefront. So we're going to shift gears a little bit here and end it on an adoption conversation. We had Visa doing 2.5 billion worth of crypto payments were made via their crypto back cards in just quarter, quarter four of 2021. So $2.5 billion worth of payments there. And then we had Nexo and MasterCard launch the world's first crypto-backed payment card. So Nexo said the card available to selected European countries allows users to spend without having to sell their digital assets as they're going to be used as collateral to back their credit. This is very cool. I'd love to start off with Jeremy because of all of his banking experience. As he puts the dog on the floor, what are some of your thoughts, Jeremy, on what's going on right now? And how are you feeling about this article? Oh my gosh, I was dude, this dog is super needy this morning. Call Kylo. <laughs> he looks so mad at me right now. <laughs> he just You're in trouble. The worst look ever. Okay, so what's going on with Nexo and MasterCard? <laughs> so Nexo actually created a card with MasterCard where they're gonna take your your crypto assets and you'll be able to lose use them as collateral. So if I had a hundred dollars worth of crypto, as long as I'm not over 20% of that value, that's can what, what can be spent as collateral on this card. I think this is huge. There'll be zero oh. interest as long as they stay to that rate. Floor is yours, Jeremy. No, I think it's fantastic. And I think that the more companies that integrate the ability to lend against your crypto in a retail fashion such as this, we will get more adoption of 
the cryptocurrencies. And, you know, one of the things I know that I, I talk about a lot is that if we really want the adoption of these things to happen, people need to use their cryptocurrencies in some fashion. Now, if you're backing that and you're lending against it, that's still using it in some fashion. So then it, it creates another type of utility for you to hold that cryptocurrency, right? And, and that's one of the things, like if we're really wanting Bitcoin to become or XRP or XLM or whichever cryptocurrency that we're wanting to become a regular, to be utilized regularly, then at some point we're going to have to stop just holding all of it and start using it for stuff. And so that's why I think the NFTs is a great place or purchasing things like the Nest, you know, Nest um, with Phoenix um, Community Capital is because you can utilize the, the cryptocurrencies that they're creating in some type of fashion. So as long as there's an economy that you can use that currency for and the more that we adopt that, the more we're going to adopt blockchain overall. So I think this is fantastic that they're doing this with Nexo and MasterCard. I think it's fantastic as well. And we actually had another article from Gemini here saying they're going to allow their users to receive 3% cash back in Bitcoin. So there's just more and more opportunities for retail to be accumulating and actually using these cryptos. But we're closing in on two minutes left here. So I'd love to give Jordan Harry just the opportunity to tell people maybe where they can find him on social media and some of the value he provides on those social media platforms. Floor is yours, Jordan. Excellent. Thank you, man. So everyone, could you all contact Jordan Harry with one N and one Y and tell him to give me the username? <laughs> keep pestering him for like five years straight. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. That's all I ask. Don't go look for me. Go find Jordan Harry and tell him, give it to Jordan Harry with two N's, two Y's. Beautiful. I'm, a, I'm with you. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sure that you could offer some sort of a cash buy offer for that for that page if you reached out to that person. I'm just interested how to see how much he would charge you. But if that's all you got for us, Jordan, people can go find him on Twitter at Jordan with two N's and two Y's. He's got 14.9 thousand followers, very loyal community, and always providing valuable information. And if you guys enjoyed this content, show us some love and smash that like button. You can follow Johnny Crypto, Jeremy, and the Node Defender below. But we'll close this thing out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise! Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us today. Let's go. Oh, where are they? There they are.